What up? Welcome back to another bonus D. I don't know why I made an accent there, but welcome back to another bonus DVD reaction segment. Uh, if you're new to this series, this is a series that I started last summer. It's been a while. And for some reason, I abandoned it because we got too busy with Mando and all that other stuff. And uh, But now I'm back and we're going to continue the Revenge of the Sith bonus DVD. If you don't know much about these bonus DVDs, these can be found on the DVDs. Uh, you won't really find these uh, on Disney Plus or anything like that. These are lost relics in time. I feel like, you know, here's the uh, the jacket itself. And when you open it up, you get the first disc and the second disc, which is obviously in the drive right now. And uh, it's got Yoda on the front of it. Now, these bonus DVDs have tons and tons and tons of footage um, and, and extra bits, extra deleted scenes, commentaries, documentaries. Uh, featurettes, uh, everything. Many, many hours of my life as a little boy. Uh, I was nine years old when episode one came out. So I was a little kid. I was a teenager when the prequels came out, essentially, when episode two and, two and three came out. And I spent hours watching these behind-the-scenes documentaries and DVDs. Almost as much, maybe, if not more, than the, the movies themselves. You learn so much. They're so engaging. They're so fun. And if you're into that kind of stuff, then you're into that kind of stuff. So let's continue the series. Let's finish episode three. We're not going to finish it today. Uh, we're going to go over a few things today. And then we can go into episode four, episode five, episode six. Because those, those are the ones that I actually have not seen too much of the bonus, bonus footage. So without further ado, I feel like I've talked enough. Um, let's start with Doc. I already did two of these for Revenge of the Sith. I did the Chosen one. You can go check it out. Uh, it's the Hayden Christensen uh, featurette, I think I called it, and then the also the Obi One uh, becoming Obi One or something like that. So we will start with the stunts. This one right here, I wanted to do it, but it's an hour and eight minutes, hour and ten minutes long. We can do this another day uh, within a minute. The making of Episode Three. So look out for that video. It's going to be over an hour long, and it's going to be chock full of so much stuff in here. If this gets copyrighted for music. By all means, I hope Lucasfilm takes the money. I'm just doing this for fun. I hope you guys can interact with me, join with me, and uh, let's just uh, learn a little bit about Star Wars and the prequels and everything that went into making the process of uh, these beautiful, beautiful films from George Lucas. So here we are. Let's go. So this is the Grievous scene, obviously. We've gone as far as we can go with this Jedi fighting style. Snick so Gillard. Up the ante in this film to the max. Choreographer of all the fight scenes for the prequels. got the call from Rick of course like it like anybody would be I was really excited I was luckier than most I managed to get to the ranch and talk to George and find out who was fighting who so I kind of had a bit of a heads up and then got out here and started one of the greatest pleasures I get 
is, is seeing that somebody can do something, even if they, they don't think they can do it themselves, and pushing them through it. Let's see if you, if you did it, stacked it. It is such uh, a cool move. So, come down on your head, yeah. drag, drag. Boom. Boom. You know, we can so cut to him doing that, we know what's happening. And you've got to do it to such a degree where you don't have to think about it, because you're doing it so quickly, you can't really think about it. You, you, you're not going, okay, he's coming to my shoulder, and he's going to cut to my head. You've just got to, it's got to become fluid. And action! We always test shoot everything ahead of time. One of the main reasons is that we never get onto a set because they're knocked down and built as we go. So I get the blueprints from the art department. Go in there and the corridor just gets smaller. I can just put up a little marker at the end. Yeah. And we mark them out with tape on the floor in our rehearsal room. And we have to know when we're going through doors, we have to know when we're going to turn left and right. Turn over. To, to match the set because Otherwise, you're turning straight into a wall. So we test you everything, just to make sure that when we get on the set for the first time, you know, it'll happen. Action. This is so confusing with the uh, blue screen everywhere. shoot all the stunts as well during those tests. So we don't do it well, we just make sure it's going to work. <laughs> it might be that those become digital stunts and then those tapes are used as reference. Looks like a wire one. Mm -hmm. Is it? It is on, yeah, there's a rig thing. Doesn't look real. Or if we're, if we're doing the stunt in and out and he's doing a digi-double in the middle, he can work out exactly how that's going to go for him. That's, that's right, but he's got to, when he does his second kick, comes up, he hits, and he springs himself back. Yeah, we could maybe lift him, if we're just doing the first bit from there. Yeah, that would work. Yeah? yeah? And then you can do the second bit. Fantastic. So once we've, once we've test shot everything, I'll then edit it on my computer. It'll go to the ranch, it allows George to look at it, he can then, anything that he doesn't like, he can change. Let's not make this messy in front of the Chancellor. I'm shooting out the choreography and filming it just with home video. And sending it to us, so we're injecting this cut footage into our videomatic sequences at this point. So George can look at the progress of how the fight scene may eventually show up. Kill him, Anakin! Kill him! <laughs> I've always tried to get a moving representation of what that storyboard should be. Sometimes we 
used bits and pieces of documentary film. Sometimes we've done little stick figure animations. But it's really to create the story in a visual form that we can then relate to in terms of saying this is how long the sequence is going to be. This is the kind of shots we need. And it gives everybody, including the actors, a sense of what is going to happen and what they're trying to accomplish. It's very important for him to be able to use the test footage that he shot to develop what both Obi-Wan and Anakin are actually physically and emotionally going through. It was important to Nick that he installed a story uh, to the fight so that there, there was uh, an exchange of power. And my character's meant to be the chosen one and supposed to be, you know, one of the better Jedis as, as far as fighting goes. And that was sort of, I think, a, a difficult thing to get around so that it didn't make one of us look substantially weaker than the other. And I think he kind of balanced it just perfectly. Hayden in this film has moved up to um, a level nine. He's gone past Obi. Now, the difference between a level eight and a level nine really is the dark side. You have to go through each level in order to attain the next level. And if you do it too quick, you're going to get in trouble. So that's how I work on his, you know, his downfall is going to be aggression. Obi is also aggressive. They're almost the same, those two, because they've learned, they've come up through the same way. Taught by Qui-Gon, Tyrannus, Yoda. It's the same line. They are sort of mirror images, but they, uh, they're certainly different. They just match each other perfectly. Hold up. Hold up. Where the hell did he get this number system from? Because George made a number system for, like, power levels back during the originals, and this is found in the making of... Was it Return of the Jedi? Essentially what he wrote was... Or was it Empire Strikes? Anyways, essentially what he wrote was... Luke was a level, like, two in A New Hope. Vader was a level four. Obi-Wan was a six. The Emperor was a six or an eight. And the whole thing was the Emperor was supposed to gonna do something by the end of it, by Return of the Jedi, that would make him a level 10. And if he became a level 10, he was like unstoppable. So they had to basically race against the clock to make sure that he doesn't become a level 10 in power. So I wonder if George said something to Nick Gillard regarding these, these number systems, these power levels, because I have never heard that before with Anakin being a level 9 now. I might be reading too much into it, but this is the first time I hear about it, and I'm just correlating it back to what George said with the originals. So it's... Taught by Qui-Gon, Turan. I want to hear that again. Um, as far as fighting goes, and that was sort of, I think, a, a difficult thing to get around, so that it didn't make one of us look substantially weaker than the other, and I think he kind of balanced it just perfectly. Hayden in this film has moved up to um, a level nine. He's gone past Obi. Now the difference between... Okay, so he's gone to a... He's, he's, okay, so he's more powerful than Obi-Wan, which really cements the fact that he totally... He didn't need to lose. He just basically lost because of his arrogance and aggression. A level eight and a level nine really is the dark side. So, the difference so, in order to get to a level nine from a level eight, you have to go to the dark side. So, are Jedi like capped out at level eight, unless they're Yoda or Mace Windu or something like maybe for this age? You have to go through each level in order to attain the next level, and if you do it too quick you're going to get in trouble. So that's how I work on his, you know, his downfall is going to be aggression. Okay. Wow. Okay, cool. That's sweet. You know, that makes me think of my braces. So I got, I got those invisible braces, and you're supposed to, like, switch your trays every two weeks. So 
they said if you switch your trays too fast, it actually can weaken your teeth and, and they can become like loose and um, brittle, even if you finish the whole thing. So you have to really like stretch it, like wait till you're completely ready to switch to the next one instead of speeding it up. So that's kind of interesting. They're almost the same, those two, because they've learned, they've come up through the same way, taught by Qui-Gon, Tyrannus, Yoda. It's the same line. They are sort of mirroring. This is cool, man. But they, uh, they're certainly different. Regardless, they signed off to put this that information in here, so it's... On this, there's it's... much more action than in the previous two. I tried to get a load of stump people in. First of all, I get the sword fighter, so I was lucky enough to get Kyle rolling again, who I was the double count Dooku on Attack of the Clones. I needed a good Palpatine dialogue. <laughs> friend of his along called Michael Burns, who has been amazing. And then I needed to get a team of stunt riggers that run ahead of us on the stages, just because we never get any time, and they just make sure everything's gonna happen. No matter how you do it in films, you're always using stunt doubles for certain amounts of action set pieces. The older actors, Christopher Lee and Ian and Yoda, it's more difficult for them to do the highly physical types of work. So you use a combination of stuntmen and the actors to create the sword fight in a way that is you know, realistic and looks good. And then occasionally, uh, the advantage we have now is that we can put digital faces on the stuntmen and we can go closer in on them. Mm. We don't have to sort of hide their face and everything the way we used to, and that's a, that's a huge advantage. But you still need uh, the stunt wow. performer to do the work. One of the most difficult sequences we had was the fight sequence between Palpatine and Mace. It was always our idea to use the two stunt doubles to do the majority of the work, but George really was reluctant to do that. The thing of it is the fight has to be changed. It can't, you can't change Ian, you gotta change the fight. He wanted to be close up. He really wanted to be right in Mace's face and he really wanted to be on Ian. So there was confusion on the day that we actually began shooting. There are places in there where they're not fighting, where they just move in and stuff. I thought that's what we would do to fight. Well, I think we can do a digital face, but I don't think we can do it like, you know, in a waist shot. And virtually, Ian and Sam had to learn everything. Two shoulders. Shoulders. Get ready. And he's coming in. Sam, he's moving in. I'm watching, baby. Back up. Yeah, my hands going. All right. It was a testament to Nick again and his ability to be able to think on his feet and really be able to solve the problem. And we suddenly got the film back on track after about 30, 35 minutes of discussing what it is that we needed to do. All right, start. Ready. And action. Oh, you could tell right there. The face, uh, I don't know if you guys Something caught that. happens but. to our actors when they work with Nick. He makes stunts fun for them, so there's no fear factor whatsoever. Nick, you're supposed to hang on. <laughs> Sam, for example, I mean, he had to jump out of a window, and we were going to put him in a harness and everything else. Nick would turn to him and say, what are you talking about? You're not going to have a harness. You're a star. You're lying. You're jumping out that window, and you're going to jump onto a stunt mat, and that's the way we're going to do it. And Sam said, 
Okay, I like that. Yeah, fantastic. And that's all they did all afternoon. Sam just kept on jumping off the balcony and jumping right into the mat. They just have fun with it. And that's what Nick is able to do with all of our actors. He makes stunt work fun for them. Oh my God, I'm awake. <laughs> it's morning. He lives. Obviously for the audience, they like it. They like the peril, so they like it to be real. On this movie, it looks like we're going to end up doing most of the stunts for real. When you have young actors like you and Hayden, uh, they can do most of their own stunts, they do most of their own sword fighting. They do do all those fights. They are that fast. And it's all them, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. really remember that one i don't remember watching that one that's cool i always learn something new like refreshes my mind or you know compared to the, the stuff that i used to that my limited knowledge when i was a little kid which was really just the movies um <coughs> excuse me now i feel like i can really tie in so much stuff with everything that i know regarding you know like the, the, the power levels thing that's the thing was sweet dude i didn't realize that uh i guess if there's ever a question as to what number Anakin was on the scale of 1 to 10 that George had created or mentioned uh, for the originals, he would be a level 9 in Revenge of the Sith. Or almost a level 9, you know, but he just went there too fast. So he probably went from 8 to 9 just way too quickly. He was probably like a level... He was probably a level... Dude, I would imagine he was probably like a level 6... In Attack of the Clones. Ah, probably level 5. Go through the Clone Wars. Revenge of the Sith, he's probably a level 7. I would say once he fought Dooku, he became a level 8 because he tapped into the dark side. You have hate, you have anger, but you don't use them. That turned him from a 7 to an 8. He jumped really quick there. And then once he turned to the dark side and executed Order 66, I'd say he went from an 8 to a 9. Way too fast. And then went to Mustafar, killed the Separatists, and then fought Obi-Wan, and he was high off of his new power level. And this is something, okay, you know what, this is legit, because this is also something Hayden said, that he had new powers in that documentary, you can go back and watch it, the Chosen One featurette. Um, he says his new power, he has new powers after turning to the dark side. So... Guess he's a level nine. That's pretty cool. Hope you guys enjoyed this. I love doing these. I can't believe I stopped. I'm an idiot. Uh, so we'll continue with this. Excuse me, probably tomorrow. And um, I don't know what else we got on the the resume here. We could do the. There's that one hour thing. What was it? The something in a minute. It'll pop up here in a second. Uh, within a minute, the making of episode three. So you click on this, and it's like an hour and eight minutes long. We've done this one. Uh, trailers and TV spots. We can go back and watch all the original trailers. Deleted scenes is definitely something I want to do. Um, right. 
Grievous Slaughter's Shock T. During the Senate. Deeds of Rebellion. Confronting the Chancellor. Wait, what? There's a deleted scene for this? I want to watch that right now. But I'm going to save it for a video. For its own video. So I get all the views. <laughs> uh, I'll see you guys in a little bit. Hope you enjoyed this. Leave a like if you did. And I will catch you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you. Oh, dude, the music stopped. Always. Bye.